Galatians chapter 2, I've enjoyed preaching through the book of Galatians in our midweek services, and we've made it to the end of chapter 5. We'll begin this coming year with the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians is written to a group of churches, a group of believers in the area of Galatia, ones that perhaps Paul had even won to Christ and, and began himself, and yet there were Judaizers coming in. There were false teachers, religious leaders saying, okay, maybe you have faith in Christ, but you still need to follow the law. And so they were tempted to turn back. There's really a theme, don't don't turn back. Christ is enough. And in chapter 2, we actually have here a discussion, and it's not really a discussion because it's one way, but we have an argument between Paul and Peter. If you know Peter, Peter was one who was never shy of speaking up. Open, oftentimes he would open mouth and insert foot. That, that's who Peter was. Paul, of course, is a, is a bold character as well. And, and Paul is trying to encourage and, and keep, help these people stick with Christ and not turn back. And Peter was there. Peter was the one who God in, in Acts gave, gave Peter a, a specific vision to show that the Gentiles could be saved as well. And so Peter had realized that, understood that, accepted that, and was eating with Gentiles until some higher up people from the church in Jerusalem showed up, some Jews. And Peter, all of a sudden, when the higher ups were there, when the religious leaders were there, when the respected uh, uh, pastors and others that came, what did he do? He immediately gets up away from the Gentiles and and acts as though he doesn't have fellowship with them. Paul sees it, uh, and, and he decides we're going to confront this. And the Holy Spirit records it, preserves it for human history, for us to see their discussion in Galatians 2. We won't read the entire passage, but Paul's fired up. This is exactly why he's preaching or why he's writing this letter to the churches in Galatia. And we come down to the end of the chapter. And again, remember, this is Paul withstanding Peter to his face in front of everyone. And we get to verse number 20, a familiar verse. Paul says this to Peter, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You know, there are times I I have enjoyed over the last year and a half, specifically diving into God's word. But I'll, I'll warn you, it's a living book. And if I don't approach it with the preconceived idea and notion and just allow God's word to say what it says and his spirit to work in his heart, it it'll get me. And, and sometimes I'm thinking, oh, wow, I've missed that. Or, my goodness, that, that's just for me. That's what the Holy Spirit wants to do. He wants to guide us into truth. And as I studied and read, and the Lord has just encouraged me with this verse, familiar verse, and I hope it will be an encouragement and blessing to you. Really, just the title and the thought would be this, Christ liveth in me. Christ liveth in me. Let's bow our heads and hearts together in prayer and ask for God's blessing. Lord, we thank you for this place and the faithfulness of your people here. 
We thank you for Pastor and his family and, and uh, Lord, the, the light that is shining in the, a dark world. Thank you for your truth. Now, as we open your word on your day, we ask your spirit to do a work in your heart, your believers. Lord, may your presence be known. You give us what we need. May we grow in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Paul is, again, speaking to Peter, writing this letter to the churches at Galatia, reminding them Peter is, is still of the mindset that I can't be around these Gentiles, that there are certain things I have to do in order to keep my status as a Christian. And so we, we see here, as Paul uh, begins, in the very first phrase, he says, I am crucified with Christ. From this, we learn, first of all, this evening, the believer's position. If you and I have trusted Christ as Savior, we are in Christ. I'm going to belabor this first point and really scoot through the next ones in a little while, but there's nothing more important for us to understand than that we are in Christ. By using uh, this phrase, I am crucified with Christ, he's saying, my identification is not in me, Paul. My identification is not in what I do. We listed what he did. The pastor went through that even this morning. The the list that he gives in other books of, of how he achieved a great status. But he said, my identification is in Christ. I believe all of us perhaps understand at the moment of salvation, what happened is called justification and we become in Christ. And the reason that is important is because heaven... Heaven's perfect. God is perfect. How can we as sinners, we've all sinned, there's none righteous, no, not one. How can we get into heaven even as a sinner? And the answer, of course, we know is that when God looks at us, if we put our faith in Christ, He no longer sees us. He no longer sees our sin. Instead, He sees His Son. He sees His Son perfect. And and he sees the blood that was shed for us. And so in Christ, we are justified. I think we understand that. I think we understand that one day when we get to heaven, not, not well, there won't just be justification, there'll be a time of glorification when we're made like Christ, free from the presence of sin. It'll be a wonderful time. But what about all that time in between? That moment of salvation, we're in Christ. The moment of glorification, we're with Christ. But what about all this time in between? A process we call sanctification. You know, if we're not careful, I speak from my own experience, I will try to live the Christian life in my power, in me. I want to do these things and I want to live this way and I want to look a certain way and I want to make sure I dot all my I's and I cross all my T's and I want to make sure I have this done and I want to make sure this is taken care of. I want to make sure this person sees this and I want to make sure this all happens and it's a never-ending process. You know, the Jewish law had over 600 rules of do's and don'ts. And Peter here is trying to follow some. Paul said, what are you thinking? I've identified with Christ. I'm crucified with Christ. You know, so so many of us, if we're not careful, we believe in the power of the gospel of salvation, and that's as far as it goes in our lives. 
And that the, the, the gospel is something that can transform our daily living if we remember our position in Christ. You know what the devil is good at? The Bible calls him the accuser of the brethren. You know what he does in my life? You didn't do this right today. Well, you failed over here. Well, you let the Lord down in this way. I can't believe you said that. I, I can't believe. You're not worthy of this. You let your pastor down today. You did this. You said, you call yourself a Christian? Is it just me? We hear that too? May I tell you, the devil is exactly right when he says that in me. Because I have let this person down. I have failed in this way. I have done this wrong. I have fallen short of the goal here. I haven't lived up to the right standard that I think everybody's holding me to. And, and I have failed. But when I remember my position in Christ, the devil couldn't be further from the truth. You see, Jesus knows that we fail. He knows that we don't live up to the standard, and yet we still get to identify with Christ. Jesus said, I'll take you, imperfection and all. I'll take you, falling short, I've got you. You are in me. Don't try to follow all these rules for the sake of making sure you have a good uh, outlook and, and making sure everyone thinks of you in a certain way and making sure you have the right persona and the, and, and the right perception. of it. Don't, don't do it for that. It's a never-ending process. Peter, you, you're, you're doing this in front of the Gentiles and then the Jews come and you're trying to look good on there. It will never end until we remember our position. In Christ. You know, the other side is also true. There are times where I may think I can earn more of God's love. If I do this, if I do this, I can earn more favor with God. If I do this, I can earn more of God's love. Or, or the devil will come back and say, Well, you've let God down. He doesn't love you as much now. If we hear nothing else, may I encourage you? You cannot earn or the opposite, whatever the word is that I can't think of right now. You can't earn more or lose less of God's love for you tonight. God loves you, and he loves you with a great love that we'll never be able to comprehend. And it doesn't matter how you live tomorrow, this week, you're not going to earn more of his love. I'm not going to earn more of his love or more of his favor. You say, hold on, that gets dangerous. We'll get there in just a moment. Some people may say, well, that means I can just live however we want. Oh, no, we'll see that in just a moment. But I, my standing is not in me. I don't know about you, but that encourages me. Now I don't have to feel like a failure. I don't have to let the devil beat me up. I don't have to make sure I'm doing this and this and this and this all to, to have a good. No, no, no. I'm in Christ. That's not just at salvation. That's during this process of sanctification. I'm identifying with Christ. He's identifying here with the cross. What an identification. It's no wonder he says in a few chapters in Galatians 6 that he says, God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. I think Paul understood his position in Christ. He said, you know, it doesn't matter what I've accomplished. It doesn't matter what I do. It doesn't matter all these ways I, I level up. I'm not glorying in any of that. I'm going to glory in the cross. 
because of the cross, I could identify with Christ. And now that's how God sees me in Christ. I don't live, though, however I want because of my position in Christ. The believer's position, I want us to see second of all, the believer's passion. He says in verse 20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Nevertheless, I live. My old man, my flesh, it's crucified with Christ, but that doesn't mean I'm dead and gone. I'm going to live. And I want to submit to you this evening, we don't need a set, a list of rules and regulations to follow in order to live a life for Christ. Remembering our position in Christ is enough to give us a passion to live for Christ. When I understand that I I have a position in Christ that God looks at me and sees His Son in spite of my failures, I want to live for Him now. I want to give my life to Him. I don't want to to go about by my own power, by my own strength, for my own glory. No, He did all this for me. I want to live for Him. I encourage you, have a passion to live for Christ. Not because of a rule you got to follow. Not because of a persona you have to have. Not because of a a level, a, a standard that you must live up to in order to impress someone. Those things will never end. Those things will drive us crazy. But our position in Christ can feed our passion to live for Christ. Paul was passionate about living for Christ. Why was that? I can only imagine because he understood his position in Christ. I want to live for Christ. He was passionate about the resurrection. He was passionate about living for Christ. Uh, We see in Philippians, he was passionate about knowing Christ, perhaps just because of who he is in Christ. I encourage you, understand your position. It's going to feed the rest of this this evening. Our position in Christ feeds our passion. I can't have a passion to live for Christ if I don't understand who I am in Christ. But once I do, that's going to feed my passion. Live for Christ. As pastor preached this morning, press on. Why? Because in spite of me, I still identify with Christ. In spite of my shortcomings, God still sees his son. In spite of my failures, God still identifies with me. The believer's position were in Christ. Believer's passion Live for Christ. But here's the truth. At times, it's just not easy. Anybody want to join me on that? And Pastor, at times, it's just not easy, the Christian life. I can remember my position in Christ, and it's wonderful, and that motivates my passion for Christ. But then we see the believer's power. You see it in verse 20. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Here it is. Yet not I. But Christ liveth in me. The power that you and I have to live a passionate life for Christ because of our position in Christ is the fact that Christ lives in us. We have a power to go through this Christian life and live it passionately for him. And it has nothing to do with our own ability. We not only get to identify with the person of Christ's salvation, but we get to identify with the power of Christ during this process of sanctification. God says, giving you my power. 
Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, identifying with his power. It's not my own strength. I can get fired up. I can be excited. I get to live for God. I'm going to do this, and I'm going to accomplish great things for God. And pastor, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do this, and then I fail. And if I'm not careful, that's the end of my strength. And I stop. If I remember, the Bible says it's yet not I. John 15, 5 says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. There, there are two big trees beside our home. And my son, over the last year and a half, he's very much into, uh, what we call it, stick spinning. Um, it, it, it's actually quite impressive. You may want to ask him afterwards. Anything that resembles a long stick, broom handle, we have many different broom heads. I have no idea where all the handles are. Uh, but sticks and all this that he can spin around, and it, it's pretty neat to see. Many times he's brought a, a branch in. You know, it would be silly for me to expect that branch to bring forth fruit, the one he brought in. Of course, we understand that. We understand that that can't because it's not connected to the source, right? But when that branch is connected to the source... It's a problem if it doesn't do something. You and I must be passionate about living for Christ. And when we do it in and of our own selves, nothing good will ever be accomplished. But in Christ, abiding in Him, understanding it's yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. We have the power to move forward. The Christian life is not so much my living for Christ as it is Christ living through me. Not about what I can do for Christ, it's about what Christ wants to do through me. We mentioned our, our church, and, and the theme of our church is to love God and love people, and we want to love people with Christ's love. We want His love to, to shine through and to go through, because in and of ourselves, we can't continue. We can't uh, manufacture love for, an, for forever. But God's love never ends. And through His power, through His love, we can live the Christian life. We can encourage people. I often think back the times of my desire to live for God and want to do right, and I do this, and I do this, and something good happens, and I get excited. And I know at times perhaps my motives were wrong. I often think now of how that must feel for God to identify with me, give me a reason to live, live inside of me, give me the power to do something for Him, and then I take the credit. It's as if it's a, it's a slap in the face of an almighty God. God's saying, I've taken you. I've taken you. I've put you in me. I've given you every reason to live for me. I've given you the power to go ahead and live for me. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about him because we are in him. And if I could trade that for anything else, I surely wouldn't. Life in Christ is the life worth living. Not in me. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. You can have 
the power to live a passionate life for Christ today. Christian, this evening, Christ lives in you. That's the power to press on. That's the power to move forward. You may say, Pastor, I, I, I don't feel that. I, I don't, I, I know in me, I know I fail. And may I remind you, God sees his son when he looks at you. May I remind you, he's living inside of you. We can press on. We can go forward. Does that mean everything's going to just be sunshine and roses? Oh, no. But it means we can have the peace of God in the midst of a storm. It means we can have the power of God to fight through it. It means when difficulties come, you know, I'm excited for Friday, January 1st, 2020 in the past. But can I be a Debbie Downer for a moment? That doesn't mean all the problems are going away. Is a bad year behind us? Yes. No idea what the future holds. I have no idea what may happen in our lives this year. Health or uh, some kind of strain in a relationship or a family or, or, or financial uh, problem. I don't, I don't know what is the future. I don't know how I'll be able to go through and handle it. If we think back at this time last year, we had no idea what was coming. And in and of our own strength, we can't continue. This church, though, is a testimony of the faithfulness of God and the faithfulness of God's people. You know, COVID doesn't change the mission of the church. Oh, it may change some different ways that we go about and different methods, certainly. But the power's not in us. The power's in Christ through us. And, and you saw what God can do over the last many weeks and the hundreds of visitors and folks trusting Christ. A light that shines. I was, I was thinking the other day, Pastor, I know that many of the books in the New Testament were written when Nero was in charge. We don't see him throughout. I don't know what's going to happen on January 20th coming forward, but I know the church is going forward. I know our Christian life doesn't need to change. I know that God's still on the throne, and I know he still gives us the power to live for him. And in fact... Most of the great uh, workings of Christ and, and even Scripture itself was written during times of persecution and times when things weren't all sunshine and roses. So we see our position. It should feed our passion. We have the power because of Christ. But we'll end with this this evening. Why? Why do it? Why be passionate? If, if our position in Christ is not enough, how can we go forward? I want us to see, fourth of all, the believer's persuasion. Notice the end of verse 20. He says, the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Again, as he's talking with Peter, who's trying to fulfill all these things, he said, no, 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 I'm in Christ. That's why I want to live for him. He's given me power to do it. And let me tell you why. I'm just going to live by faith. You see, Peter, when you follow all these ceremonial laws and when you, when you do this and you do that, that's something you can see and quantify, but it's not going to make you righteous. It's something that, that, that perhaps you can notate on paper, but I'm going to live by faith. Live by the faith of the Son of God. At times, it's much easier for me to live by feeling. Live by what I think may be a good thing to do or go about this day in a certain way. But our persuasion to live for Christ, 
must be by faith. We know that it, it, I would love to, to see everything on paper. Well, I tell you what, I'm a, I'm a numbers kind of guy and I like things to make sense and I like to have a plan and a, a budget and, and all these things. And I'm not saying those things are wrong. We, we certainly need those. But if I were to have done that a year and a half ago before we moved, none of it would have made sense. I look back and it still doesn't. <laughs> but living by faith, we know it's faith is evidence of things not seen. And I'll oftentimes say, I've got faith. And faith is so much more than a belief or a thought. Faith is a substance. That there's something to it. There's an action behind it, more than just a belief of it. A few verses later in Hebrews 11, we see that without faith, it's impossible to please God. I certainly want to please God, my position in Christ and all that He's done. and I want to live for Him through the power that He's given me. I want to please Him. I can only do that with faith. I love the next part of that verse. For he that cometh to God, I think that would include all of us. We want to come to God. How do we do it? Must believe that He is. Oftentimes I read that and I think He's what? <laughs> Are we missing a word? Of course we're not missing a word. Must believe that He is. You fill in the blank. I'm not saying add to Scripture. I'm just saying must believe that He is. I usually just respond with it. Must believe that He's God. May I just ask a simple question? Is he God to you? And you're, I mean, is he in control or not? Is he sovereign? Does he know what's on the horizon? Is he aware of what's going on in your life? You know, so many times I believe that, but I don't act upon it. I live by faith. Difficulties may be coming. But I live by the faith of the Son of God. I'm not up and down and live by feeling of what's going on in life. I'm trusting God that he's in control. I'm remembering that I'm in Christ. I've got a passion to live for him through the power that he's given me. Here we go. I live by the faith of the Son of God. Notice how the verse ends. Who loved me and gave himself for me. If there's no other persuasion to live for Christ, then this has to do. God loves you. Why am I going to be passionate about living for God? Why do I need to press on? Because he loves you. Why am I going to live my life for him? Why am I going to do all these things? We've mentioned, I want to do this and I want to do this. And I want to make sure I dot these I's and cross these T's. And I want to make sure I live by the... Well, I'm not going to do those things because I'm supposed to do it and because it's a rule and because I want to look good in someone's eye. No, I want to do those things because God loves me. A grace-filled life takes on a whole new meaning. I don't have to do this. I don't have to do that. I'm in Christ, and he loves me, and he proved it because he gave his life for me. He saw us. He saw our imperfections. He saw our brokenness. He saw how we are rejected, and he took the rejected and made it redeemed. He turned the broken into beautiful, and in spite of me, he gives me a passion to live for him. He doesn't just give me a reason to, he gives me the power to. He doesn't just give me a, a motivating feeling, he gives me the power behind it to do it, to live for him. So I want to do it. I, I want to live, as Paul says, by faith. And I want to do it because he loved me, he gave himself for me. I try to put myself in the 
pages of Scripture and in the story at times. I feel like as Paul is talking to Peter here, he finishes with one more verse, and we don't see Peter's response. If I'm there, I got nothing else to say either. Yeah, you got me. You're right. Oh, well, what you said is right. I've perhaps done this wrong way. I've lived, I've tried to fulfill this. I've tried to look good here. I need to remember my position in Christ. That's going to feed my passion to live for Christ through the power of Christ. Live by faith. That's my, my persuasion. I'm going to do it because he loves me. Never get over, church, that Christ liveth in me. Let's bow our heads and hearts together.